Chapter 4, The Response Welcome back for Session 4 of the Activated Team Series. In your last session, you explored how remaining in a posture of repentance is a core way God deepens our love for Him. The more we're aware of our sin and need for a Savior, the more we know God's great mercy and grace. In this session, I want to begin to unpack some of what happens when we receive and experience that great mercy and grace. Our objective this time is to respond to the gospel in us with an overflowing desire to know God more and celebrate who he is with others. Jonathan Edwards is widely regarded as one of the most significant Protestant thinkers of the past few hundred years. He's known for his emphasis on the glory of God and its relationship to our joy. He and others since then have emphasized the idea that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Said another way, when we are completely enamored with God and his glory, we find the absolute most joy possible in this life and we align our lives with his heart. And in that, God is glorified even more. It's a cool circular thing. Remember the gospel motivation grid from sessions two and three? As the gospel of Jesus saturates more and more of our lives, our desire to spend time with him and get to know him more and more increases. The primary access points he's provided for us to get to know him are through the hearing or reading of his word, engaging with the spirit of God in prayer, and hearing testimony from others in community. The more we get to know him, we become even more hungry for his word, and we long to sit with him in prayer, including him in every moment of our day and talking about him with others. Our ability to hear his voice strengthens, and our communion with him gets sweeter and sweeter. Prayer, reading his word, and talking about him are not only incredible natural outcomes of a growing joy in the gospel, but there are also three primary sustaining practices that fuel even more joy in the Lord. I struggle sometimes to talk about these things as sustaining practices because I want you to understand how the gospel in us naturally motivates our desire to do these things. And if we don't desire to do them, often there's a gospel-deficient reason we need to chase down. Driving back to our need for the gospel like we talked about in the last session usually lands us on a foundation that God can use to grow our desire. I find great help in that. But for me, exhortations to be a better Christian by engaging the spiritual disciplines usually yield a small eye roll. I and others I know tend to associate that sort of thing as a dogmatic have-to and forget that it is a get-to. Maybe you resonate. But choosing to discipline ourselves to do those things even when we don't feel like it can be an expression of a repentant posture, recognizing our need for him. And I just love how God meets us in this discipline. Communion, a man running after God's own heart. Sometime back, I realized how much I disliked reading the Psalms. For years, I struggled with reading them because I didn't understand David's dialogue with the Lord and what seemed like a guy dealing with multiple personalities. In one moment, He'd be overflowing with praise for God about the blessings he'd received. And then in the very same psalm, he'd flip and be agonizing over God's afflictions. He just sounded like this confused whiner to me. 
for years and years. I always wondered why in 1 Samuel 13, 14, and then again in Acts 13, 22, he was called a man after God's own heart. Remember, though, I was pretty busy maintaining my self-righteousness, so of course I couldn't imagine myself appearing as anything but perfect before God, unlike the mess David clearly was. Anyway, it was my wife, Emily, who called me out this time and invited me to realize that I was the one who was missing something. God wrote a book, and he included Psalms, so Nick, maybe it has value. So maybe you should repent of your disdain for the Psalms and lean in with the Lord on this. Believing that maybe God had a more accurate interpretation of David and the Psalms for me, I committed to reading nothing but the Psalms for one year. What a challenge that was for me. I didn't want to do it. I hated the discipline of it. Reading the Bible when I didn't want to felt ritualistic or like I was just doing what perfect Christians were supposed to do. Blah. But as I read, I would ask the Lord, what in this passage do you want me to see? And what can I pray back to you? What part of this psalm can I claim for myself as praise to you or a request of you? And each time, he would give me something small that I would write in at the top of the page, something like, let me be as excited for your provision as David is in this passage. And sometimes it sounded more like, How long must I suffer in my situation? When are you going to rescue me? Whatever it was, it was simple, but personalized to me. Before long, I began to resonate more and more with David and the other writers as I permitted myself to join them in the human emotions they were verbalizing. My little request to be able to praise God for things began to become genuine praises, and my vocalized struggles to God increased my faith and dependence on him. Choosing to discipline myself and get in his word, fight through it at times, and use it as a means of prayer and conversation with God produced an even greater love for his word and deepened my intimacy with him in prayer. I now love this section of his book, and I love the relationship he invites me to have with him through it, a relationship that looks a whole lot more like David's. God uses the reading of his word and prayer to commune with us, talk with us, and invite us into more and more joy in him. And now I get to share that with you. I get to testify to what God was doing in me and who he has shown himself to be. Testimony. What is God doing in, through, and around you? If the first part of this session is about how God uses prayer and his word to deepen our faith and affection for him, the next is regarding how he uses testimony. By now, you might have noticed how each time you gather in your group, you start with a time of prayerful reflection, listening to the Lord, and then you have a chance to share what God is doing in, through, and around you. We've created a space at the beginning of each activated team meeting to practice this with one another. What has God been doing in these times? What are you noticing about your posture? Are you hearing God speak to you? And as you hear about what God is doing in others, what kind of emotions are you experiencing? What is God saying to you through what others are sharing? My guess is you've been encouraged in some way. 
along with spending time in his word and in prayer testimony, is another powerful thing God uses in our lives. John writes in 1 John 1, 2-3, This one, who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Furthermore, Scripture seems to indicate that sharing with other believers in gathered community is an essential part of the faith. Testifying to one another motivates us towards love and good deeds, doesn't it? As Hebrews 10, 24-25 reads, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The Greek word for motivate in a first century Hebrew sheep herding culture implied to provoke or jab as with a sharp stick. So in other words, provoke one another to love and good deeds with a sharp stick. Testifying provokes people to Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, I want to be provoked to him more and more. In a life filled with distractions, I need to be. One of my favorite aspects of getting to share with you in this journal is that I get to brag about the Lord. I'm hopeful that in getting to share aspects of my ongoing God story with you, he will use it to provoke in you a desire for more of him. So who have you heard him be in my story so far? Have you heard about his gentle, loving, forgiving voice? Have you heard about his constant pursuit of me? Have you heard about how he meets us in our disciplined willingness to find him? Have you heard about how he uses both the good and the bad in our lives to cultivate compassion in us for other people? Have you heard about how he uses other people's questions or pokes to draw us closer? I've already shared a lot with you, but I don't want to tell you stories about me or other people. God is way more amazing. I want to tell you stories about him so that you find your greatest joy and satisfaction in him. I want you to see him as most glorious and long for a deeper relationship with him. I want to provoke you to pursue him more and more. As a teaser to session five, here's what's really cool. Check it out. Desiring to talk with other believers about who God is and what he's doing in, through, and around us is essentially the same thing as allowing that to come out of our mouths with those yet to believe in Jesus. But we'll talk more about that next time. For now, I just invite you to stay focused on God, pursuing him, and celebrating with others who he is and what he's doing in you. So, who is God? Who are you discovering him to be? What are you discovering about him in his book? Who is he trying to show himself to be to you these days? Maybe your motivation to read God's word or spend much time in prayer is low. Try sitting with one psalm at a time each day. Ask God to help you see just one thing in the passage that you can meditate on or 
maybe ask him for. If you'll meet with him in this way, over time, I bet you'll notice a change. I bet you'll begin to recognize the Spirit's voice and hear his heart for you more and more. I think, at least in part, a reason why David is referred to as a man after God's own heart is that he was a man who chased after the heart of God. David ran hard after God, and he found deep intimacy with him, despite his imperfections and doubts. What a picture of God's grace. In our imperfections and tendency towards sin, we can still be identified as someone after God's own heart and find that kind of intimacy with our King. May you run fast and far after God. May you too be a man or woman after God's own heart. And may your desire to testify to who God is and what he's doing in you help others experience and hunger after the richness of his glory for their joy.